You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where I guess both the title of the song as well as the performers of the song relate in some way to the show. Another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. My name's Sean Eagle, and what I do on the show is cover the Green Lantern comics, specifically the ones starting with cover date June 1990 and ending with cover date November 2004, all the while with special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner. And once again, we're covering a book where Kyle Rayner is off Earth. In fact, he's dealing with the Guardians that he brought back, the little children Guardians, and Suddenly something happens where one of the Guardians goes missing, and strangely enough, on a planet somewhere distant from Oa, an unusual being with immense powers and a completely ridiculous outfit is wrecking up the place, and only Green Lantern Kyle Rayner and his girlfriend Jenny Lynn Hayden can stop her. What does this have to do with the Guardians? What does this have to do with anything? Well, you'll just have to listen and find out. Plus, we'll also be playing some promos for some brand new podcasts, well, not brand new podcast, but brand new promos for some podcasts that I hope you'll love to listen to, as well as getting to a couple of your emails. So, after we get done with the emails and promos, and that's not in order anyway, we'll get into our coverage of Green Lantern number 160. drawings saying what the future is going to be. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails. This is the future. That was all started by a man. Twice the size of Manhattan. We want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Walt Disney World. Better than any other urban environment in America. Two True Freaks proudly presents. We hope that it will be unlike anything else on this earth. Golf courses, campgrounds, stores, hotels. Earning my ears. A once in a lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. We're ready to go right now. Earning My Ears, a Walt Disney World centric podcast, is available monthly at two truefreaks.com. 
together from the disparate reaches of geekdom, here in this restaurant booth are the most powerful forces of geek ever assembled. Ryan, the toy geek. Scott, the award-winning radio host. Jeff, Scott's minion. And Ron, just Ron. Dedicated to truth, justice, and geek for all mankind. It's Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks proudly crusades at twotruefreaks.com. We gotta get out of this place. If it's the last thing we ever do. We In Country has re-upped for another tour and we've been reassigned. Now you can find this complete look at Marvel Comics The Nom on the Two True Freaks Network. So join me, Tom Panneries, for In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics The Nom, every two weeks at twotruefreaks.com. My name is Chad Bokelman. For five years, listeners were stuck with a mediocre show. Now we will fulfill our listeners' expectations to use the time and topics left to us and bring down those who are threatening to overtake us. To do this, we must become someone else. We must become something else. Really? What? (laughs) This is your your original attempt? (laughs) Yeah, dude. At a promo? Yeah. I think you're kind of confusing what this show's about, Chad. All right, I got another one. I got another one. All right. Okay, maybe maybe, maybe your second attempt would be a little more fresh. In a <clears throat> okay, okay. All right, all right. All right. I'm hoping. Yeah. <clears throat> my name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. And wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, okay. Stop, 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 time out. What? This is the Lantern cast. We're supposed to be talking about Green Lantern. Not necessarily new material because most people don't like the books these days, but the point still is we're supposed to be talking about Green Lantern. I guess you're right. And I, I, I guess the old show wasn't really mediocre. I just thought it'd be funny. You did your best, Chad. That, that, that's what's so tragic. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you tell them what the show really is about? It's about Green Lantern. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's well, there's the comics. There's well, well, let's run down some things. We've we've done what? We've done commentaries. We've done yes. We we've done movie commentaries. We've done ring our ring cyclopedia stuff, reviewing you know props and rings and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Movie reviews. We do we do stuff like that. Too. Yeah, yeah. We've we commented uh, done running commentary on uh, on uh, issues per month. We've done random issue reviews. Uh, Old stuff and new, lots of old stuff recently. Even we've even had interviews, uh, both in the old iteration of the show and the new iteration of the show with me and Mark. So uh, tons of tons of stuff here over at the Lantern Cast for you guys to listen to. It's not just one. We're not a one trick pony over here. Stole my line. You was just gonna say that. No, we have a pretty broad base of topics and things that we do, and we think I think we have a little bit for everybody. So we certainly would appreciate everybody 
coming to check us out, and we think you won't be disappointed. Yeah, we, you can find us at LanternCast.com. We're also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, so search for LanternCast, and you can find us easily there. And if they want to contact us, they're more than welcome to do so. Mark, you got that information right. You always do. <laughs> LanternCast at gmail.com. <laughs> LanternCast at gmail.com. And we even have a voicemail line. Guess guess what? It's 708-LANTERN. <laughs> awesome. And we're on Facebook and Twitter. So find the Lantern Cast in whatever way suits you best. But definitely give us a listen either on our website, on iTunes, or on Stitcher. We're always here for you guys. And I guess what? Closing line, light the lantern? <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep the emerald flame burning. All right. Awesome. And we are back. And what you just heard there was a promo for the Lantern Cast, a long-running podcast hosted by Chad Bokeman and Mark Marble. They're covering current iteration of the Green Lantern comics, as well as some old stuff. Just recently, Mark and Jim, one of the uh, prior uh, hosts on the Lantern Cast, covered the Day of Judgment storyline. I know Chad's covering Green Lantern Green Arrow as he's talking about the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams run. Plus, every once in a while, they'll go back to stuff around the Ron Mars area. I know they're thinking about covering uh, the Emerald Knight stuff. They covered the uh, stories that came out before issue 100, Future Shock, and they're doing a great job over there. It's a fun listen, and Mark and Chad have a great rapport. Definitely, if you're enjoying listening to just one of the guys, go check out Lantern Cast. And if you're a fan of Green Lantern, I'll know you'll enjoy the show. But that does it for plugs of other people's shows. Let's go to plugs from people who want to talk about this show as we open up the Just One of the Guys email bag. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. <laughs> and once again, I'm pleased to get an email from my good friend to the Great White North, Mr. Scott Davis. Scott writes in with the title of his email this time out, How's Illegitimate Child? And he says, Hi, Sean. I was able to catch up on a few issues that you covered recently. The first one was Green Lantern Fear Itself. I really enjoyed this book, and the painted art by Brad Parker was fantastic. The story was great across all three generations, and I was glad to see Kyle be the hero at the end of the book, too. Excellent stuff, and I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, in fact, the Fear Itself story, I was actually rather impressed with as well. I agree the artwork by Brad Turner it had some low points. Some of the times the artwork was a bit off. When you're doing painted art, you can't help but be compared to someone like Alex Ross. But this one was distinct enough that it it deferred him from it. And there were some really great portions of there. I particularly remember the weird sort of Cthulhu-esque alien rising out of the sea as Hal Jordan gets ready to face it down, being one of my favorite pieces of art in there. Uh, again, and also a good story, which allowed Kyle to be the hero of the book and allowed Kyle to thwart the villain by using his brain. So, there you go. Treating Kyle as a critical character. Scott continues uh, with Green Lantern Legacy, the last will attestment of Hal Jordan, which this might be good. On the flip side, this book was absolutely bizarre, he says. I didn't realize that Tom had serious drinking issues and was a deadbeat dad. It was really tough to read Tom like this. I was taken out of the story so many times because of all the questions it raised. Who was the dude with the Green Lantern ring in the bar that punched out Tom? Why exactly did Tom get fired from his job? Why does Hal's illegitimate son have gray hair? Who is the Tiger Lantern with the patch over his eye? Even the opening scene with Tom at Hal's funeral had me confused. Seeing Evil Kilowog slice the little boy in half was enough to see. Was I'm sorry, was tough to see. 
but then we conveniently find out that the boy is only a manifestation of Hal's ring. I can't believe that Tom, out of all the characters in the DC Universe, recreated Oa. It still boggles my mind. So, what exactly happened to the boy and evil Kilowog at the end? They just vanished forever? So confusing. And I think you nailed it with that last comment. This was a confusing issue. It helped lay down the fact that Oa was going to be back in the Green Lantern universe or in the DC universe, and I'm glad that it stuck into the regular continuity of the books, but there were just so many bizarre things going on. Tom descending into alcoholism, the weird look of Hal's child and it being a manifestation of Hal's ring, which I thought Kyle had and then lost and then was given to Bat, then Batman found because Anarchy found it. Uh, I don't get it at all. There was just... It was an interesting concept. I don't think it was as well executed as other books could have been. But like I said, your mileage may vary, and I understand where you're coming from there. Anyway, he wraps up the email saying, Sean, you nailed it at the end of episode 148. I'm a completist, so I had to pick this up. And in the end, I guess I'm glad that I was able to read how Oa was recreated, but I really can't believe that this is how it happened. Thanks, Sean, and have a great week. Well, thank you, Scott. Thanks for writing in. I do appreciate it. And yeah, I like to try and be completist to the most part. I'm probably not going to cover every appearance of Kyle because, well, if I was going to do that, I should have been talking JLA issues and I probably should have been talking Teen Titan issues and all that. But at least I'm covering all the Greenlander books, so you're going to get that at least. But thank you for writing in, Scott. Uh, I'm going to close the email bag there and then. Uh, I don't have that many emails. I've got one more left, so I'll save that for the next show. But right now, let's go ahead and get into our coverage of the book, Green Lantern number 160. Green Lantern number 160 had a cover date of early May 2003 and a release date of March 5, 2003. It had a cover price of 225 US and 375 Canada, and its title this time out was Offspring. The writer again was Judd Winnick. Penciler was Dale Eaglesham, inker was Rodney Ramos, the colorist was Moose Bowman, letter was Kurt Hathaway, assistant editor was Morgan Dantonville, and the editor was Bob Shrek. The cover art was done by Ariel Olivetti. Sitting in his hospital bed, a recovering Terry Berg regales the construct Skype image of Green Lantern Kyle Rayner with his newfound knowledge of Big Lebowski quotes. Kyle says that he's glad to see Terry seems more like himself, and Terry says that he wishes Kyle was actually here on Earth to witness his recovery. Kyle tries to apologize, but Terry's having none of it, saying that even with the trauma that he's endured and all the shortcomings of the planet, he would never just run away from it, even if he was able to. Guilt-ridden, Kyle apologizes again, and Terry says it's just his pain meds are laid, and he's feeling grumpy. Kyle says he'll call again the same time next week, and Terry tells him that if he's not here, he's probably out salsa dancing, or something fun like that. As Kyle's image fades away, John Stewart enters the room and says that Terry might have been a little bit hard on Kyle. Terry agrees, telling John that he liked having him around. But even more than having Kyle around, there's one thing that he would like. When he gets back on his feet, Terry wants John to teach him how to fight. After a quick history of the Guardians and their female counterparts, the Zamorons, we cut to Oa, where Uncle Kyle is funning around with the toddler Guardians. But as he tosses one of the girls in the air, she creates a flying construct monkey to play with her, something that the little guardian shouldn't be able to do. 
While Kyle and the kids have more playtime, Jenny and Canthit watch the antics as they discuss how Kyle will one day make a great parent. Knowing how right Ganthet might be, Jenny meets up with Monitor Duty Kyle and tells him that she's late. Being rather dense, Kyle says that there was no set time for her to be here, and giving Kyle an affectionate hug, Jenny restates that she is late. Wink. Suddenly getting it, Kyle t- says that they should head back to Earth for a pregnancy test, but before they can hit up the space Walgreens, a floaty head of Ganthet tells the duo that Liana, the guardian who was able to use her powers, is missing from the planet. Fearing that she's been kidnapped, Ganthet goes into panic mode, and Kyle offers to help search the planet for her. But the immortal Amber Alert has to be put on hold, as something is afoot on the planet Aroxe, and GL and Jade head out to see how they can help. As they arrive, they find that the planet has been besieged by a buxom babe in an outfit that can only be found in the finest of gentlemen's clubs. Kyle and Jenny attack, but the mysterious female pretty much pones them, breaking Kyle's wrist and sapping the powers from both of them. As Kyle and Jenny crash into the forest, the female makes her way to them in order to finish them off. But upon close inspection of the fallen lantern, the Amazon stays her blow and softly speaks his name, Kyle. I'd hope that since the end of the hate crime storyline that the readers would get a resolution or at least an update on Terry Berg. So I'm glad that we did get that in this issue. I also like that Terry is calling out Kyle and his decision to leave Earth as it does feel like a bit of a cop-out for Kyle. However, Terry's desire to have John teach him how to fight rather than how to defend himself seems a bit ominous. The story with the toddler guardians is especially the one that went missing and the sudden appearance of an unstoppable female warrior devastating planet seems to be a pretty obvious storyline trope especially with some of the foreshadowing in the book so i really don't know how i feel about this issue i think it was an upswing from the last issue but again i'm it kind of feels like winnick and eagle sham are just coasting along for this last part of it and knowing what's coming up in the near future after the uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern crossover, I'm kind of thinking I might be right there. Let's take a look inside the book and see what we have to say about it, though. Starting out, we've got another cover by Arrow Olivetti that is... Wow. I mean... I like Olivetti's figure design. It's nice on the male characters. Both Kyle and Jenny look fine here. Well, Jenny's right arm looks a little short but the amazon on this cover first of all she's essentially naked and she's wearing the borat straps essentially it's a sort of v-neck thing showing off everything going right between her legs and covering up her nipples you don't see anything but everything is suggested it's just like I said, it's it's stripper-worthy, and not even classy stripper-worthy. It's like skanky stripper-worthy. I uh, This cover is just really, really uncomfortable to look at. Especially for the fact you can probably tell that whatever race this person is supposed to be, they definitely believe in Brazilian waxes, so... Uh, get away from this cover. 
page one. Like I said, it's good to see Terry recovering. He makes a big Lebowski reference, and to be honest, that is one of the few Coen bro- Brothers movies that I really didn't enjoy all that much. It's not that it's a bad movie. It's enjoyable, but compared to like the Hudsucker Proxy or Fargo or even Blood Simple, even their newer stuff like uh, the, not No Countries for Old Men, but uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's had some really good movies. Oh, I even forgot about Raising Arizona. He and his brother, <clears throat> the, the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan, did those movies. They're a lot of fun. And I know Lebowski has a big following. I just never got into it. So the quote falls flat for me. Pages two through three, Kyle, or I'm sorry, Terry calls Kyle out, and rightfully so. Yes, as Earth Green Lantern, he should be protecting the universe, and since he's the last of the Green Lantern, he's got a big job to do. But this wasn't the main reason he left Earth. He didn't leave Earth because he felt a need to try and protect space. He felt he needed to leave Earth because he was uncomfortable with the way things were going on the planet. And that's a that's a weak story element for Kyle. It makes him feel like he's running away from his responsibilities, and I'm I'm wondering how it's going to turn around and how we're going to see, or if we are going to see, there's going to be any resolution to Kyle's decision to leave the planet. Page 5, it's good to see Jon Stewart checking in on Terry while Kyle is away. I don't know why Jon Stewart is there in his Green Lantern uniform, but whatever, I guess, now that Terry knows that Kyle's Green Lantern... I guess he can know everyone's Green Lantern, and I don't think John necessarily let anyone know that his secret identity or his identity was supposed to be a secret. But regardless, it's it's nice to see John there, but it is kind of awkward that Terry is asking John to teach him how to fight. Not that John doesn't know about that or couldn't teach him to it, but it doesn't seem like a it's it doesn't seem like a proactive way of looking at Terry's situation. It seems kind of reactionary. Terry, if he would have said, I'd like you to teach me how to defend myself or how to make sure that this never happens to me again, I think that would have been another thing entirely. That would have been justified. Here it makes him sound like he's wanting to be an aggressor, and I can understand his feelings behind it, how he wants to take out his aggression on the people who did this to him, but... It's one of those things I think could also come back and bite him in the ass for that happening. Page six, we had a quick breakdown about how the Guardians and the Zamrons interacted. I assume this was put here to relate to the warrior woman at the end of the book possibly being a Zamoron or perhaps being a missing toddler guardian all grown up. I'm not certain, but I'm kind of thinking that's what it is. It doesn't really seem like it's all that... It seems pretty obvious that this new person by the end of the book is somehow the little guardian Liana all grown up or something for some reason. So I think this is just really obvious foreshadowing in the book, which again kind of hints at uh, the story not being all that well it, it kind of hints at Winnick not re- really being all that engaged in the storytelling. Page 9, one of the traits that I've seen with Kyle is the fact that he seems to be 
not really naive, but he seems to be sometimes so engrossed in other things that he misses out on the obvious statements or he actually comes across as kind of dense. Here, when Ginny tells him that she's late, Kyle thinks that it's the actual literal meaning of the term, meaning that she didn't show up on time, rather than the figurative meaning of she's pregnant and she hasn't basically had her period, so she's thinking she's pregnant. So this is interesting, I you know, uh, especially in dealing with the Guardian story of the kids coming back and the discussion prior to this of Kyle possibly being a good father. This could be an interesting you know, this could be an interesting outcome in the book if Kyle and Jenny were to have a child together. However, on page 10, I do have to wonder, do they really need to go back to Earth to get a pregnancy test? I mean, Kyle's got a Green Lantern ring. Can't he just scan her for, you know, a secondary DNA or something? Uh, do they really know, need to go to space Walgreens to pick up an EPT to figure out what's going on so Jenny can pee on something? Sorry, I'm letting you guys know about how pregnancy tests work, but yeah, the, it, it made no sense to me. You've got the most powerful weapon scanning device in the universe with an attachment to the greatest database ever, and you need to go fly back to Earth to get a strip of paper to pee on. No. Page 15, and we get a a different view. It's Eagle Sham's version of the costume on the cover, and thankfully it covers up a bit more, but still it's completely unfeasible. And it, to be honest, it makes the Aresia costume in Guy Gardner Warrior look kind of subtle and modest. I mean, essentially what it has is a couple of almost handprints covering this woman's incredibly round chesticle area and the little V-strap going right between her legs. Luckily, this time it covers up a bit more of her um, happy bits. But yeah, it's just completely unfeasible and it's something that could only occur in a comic book. And it's not, at least for me, it's not titillating. It's not bad art, but it if it's supposed to excite me or entice me or get me hot and bothered, it does none of that. It fails on that level. Then, then we've got the fight scene, and on page 20, we get the idea that this strange Amazon white-skinned woman can siphon the Green Lantern powers. Hmm, I wonder what that could mean. And then, of course, by the end of the book, we get the fact that this crazy Amazon woman knows Kyle's name. Hmm, I wonder what that could mean. Means that storytelling is getting lazy, I'm thinking. But, yeah, aside from the artwork of the really, really ridiculous uniform on the Amazon woman, this was kind of just an average issue, so like I said, I'm wondering if Winnick is just winding down his run and just kind of phoning it in, which is disappointing. <sighs> Maybe the ads in the book will cheer me up. Let's take a look at those. Starting with the front and side cover, we've got the EverQuest Online Adventure, which is for the PlayStation 2, and uh, I think it's one of the first MMOs, the first major MMOs before World of Warcraft. I know we covered this before. 
We've got another juicy fruit ad here a couple of pages later with a description on how to keep people from stealing your juicy fruit. It comes with a stoplight in the juicy fruit gum, which uh, tells people to stop whenever the light turns red and not chew your juicy fruit. Sure, why not? Next page is an ad for, I guess, Acne Cream, Nature's Cure, whatever Acne Cream. I guess it's pre-proactive Acne Cream that isn't OxyClean. There you go. Kids have zits. That makes sense. Uh, next page is for the, a game for the Xbox called Kung Fu Chaos. has a bunch of weird animated Sonic the Hedgehog-looking characters that I guess fight people. It says it's directed by Xiao Ting. I'm not certain who that is, but I guess it's probably some uh, Asian director who directs kung fu movies. Why not? Middle of the book, we could uh, splash for War of the Monsters. I think we covered this. It's the uh, giant tooth that's been smashed out of a monster that's fallen on a cab in the middle of New York City. So, uh, yeah, I think we covered this before. After that, we could have big old ad for WWE's WrestleMania 19, and it's got a ton of people. I noticed uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin on there, and um, that's it. Oh, no, I think there's The Rock up there as well. Oh, and Hulk Hogan's there, and some some women. I, I, I just am not at that end to wrestling, unfortunately, so I don't know all these people. There's some guy with a gold medal on his chest. I have no idea. Wrestling, guys, that's fun. Got the Starburst ad with the guy with the defibrillator on the apple in his mouth. Don't do that, kids. Uh, an advertisement for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Now, this was a fun game. I remember playing this for the PC. I think this is one of the first Bioware games where you basically can choose by by your actions choose how the end of the story is going to be. You can either go down the dark side and get more dark force powers, or you can do good things and get more light force powers. And you also get to design your your lightsabers. You can dual wield. You can add crystals to it, which give you like more attack power or more healing power or stuff like that. It's it's a really fun game. This was... Uh, this definitely did deserve like game of the year, and it's uh, you know I I actually might think about loading up on my PC again and seeing if I can play it over because this was a fun fun game. But then after that, you get an advertisement for Batman Dark Tomorrow, the video game, which uh, I guess there was a contest for it where you could uh, win the next generation console, a TV, the Batman Legacy DVD set, and a copy of Kenko's Batman Dark Tomorrow game. All of which might have been good, except for the Batman Dark Tomorrow game, because I don't know anything about it, and I can only assume that I haven't heard about it, that it's probably not well-remembered. After that, we had an advertisement for uh, Legend of Zelda The Wind Walker for the GameCube. I heard this was a good one, but again, I never really played all that much Zelda games. Then the next page is an ad for the anti-drug, and it's... Basically, you got a kid probably about 14, 15, and it says John and Karen were stoned and hooked up. After they came down, they realized that they hadn't smoked. Things never would have gone as far as they did, and the consequences will last a lifetime. And it says basically across the scroll on this page for this little 15-year-old kid, he's a dad now because he got stoned and screwed around. So don't do drugs, kids. 
it'll make you have premarital sex and have children. Because that's what drugs do. Got that advertisement for the Magic the Gathering game where you can earn a $1,000 scholarship. That's always kind of interesting. After that, we got a house ad for JSA Prince of Darkness storyline written by David S. Square, Jeff Johns, with art by Leonard Kirk, Keith Champagne, Sal Valudo, and Bob Almond. Uh, looks kind of interesting. Again, Jeff Johns starting out with the JSA, and I know people really liked his run on the JSA, and this is kind of getting the lead up to where he'd be going for Green Lantern. In fact, it's only a couple of years away before Green Lantern starts up with the, the Jeff Johns run. <sighs> but then after that, there's an ad for the video game Black and Bruised, which I think we've talked about on previous episodes, which is a sort of Mike Tyson's punch-out type game. Except this time, falling in with the theme of the uh, show today, it's a female fighter who's got very ample chest, and she's in one of those little tie-up shirt things, and she's looking at you and says, the caption says, stare at him, sweetie, makes you easier to hit. Yeah. So, boobs. There you go. After that, I get an ad for a couple of THQ games, uh, Crush Hour, Smackdown Shut Your Mouth, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, I guess you could win a THQ prize package, uh, if you fill out this survey or you go online and do the survey for DC, no idea what it's all about. Then the next ad is another house ad. A device that gives you extraordinary powers? Is it a dream come true or your worst nightmare? Well, if you know what the comic is, it's... <laughs> oh, Lord. It's Hero. The revamped version of Dial H for Hero. No idea how entertaining this was. It was written by Will Pfeiffer with art by Kano, which I thought he was helping out the Green Hornet, and covers by John Van Fleet. It was monthly premiering in February from DC Universe, and yeah, Dial H for Hero. I guess that was a thing again. Again, again. Huh. The back inside cover is an advertisement for Haribo gold gummy bears, essentially, and they've got the gummy bears on a stapler, and they've stapled one of the gummy bears to the floor or something. Weird. And the back outside cover is some skater guy advertising for milk. Who's this guy? It's tiny words. Bob Burnquist? No idea. Never followed X Games. Never followed skating. Don't know who he is. But he's advertising for milk. There you go. But that's it for the ads. Everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. A very boob-centric episode. I'm certain that's entertaining to some people. Let's hope it was entertaining for you. But next time out, we're going to be figuring out exactly what's going on with this strange Amazon warrior. I'm putting my money on it's the grown-up little girl guardian. But, you know, it could be something completely different. But it probably isn't. Anyhow, come back in seven days and we'll be talking about that issue, as well as reading some emails and probably playing some new promos as well. As entertaining as that is. So thanks everyone for downloading and listening, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. Bye everyone, have a good week. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingram. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. 
This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books could be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcome, too. As long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scan the covers, and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys Podcast, and you can subscribe to the show there. You can search for me on Facebook as well, and now you can find me there, as it was a requirement of my new Demonza Core contract. But it doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Candy Crush group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenlander podcast. The opening music for today's show was The Offspring and their song, The Kids Aren't Alright, off the album Americana. Once again, as always, if you'd like to buy this album or download this MP3, I would suggest you go to Amazon.com to do that. If you'd like to help out the Two True Freaks website, I'd suggest first you go to TwoTrueFreaks.com, then click on the Amazon.com banner. Every time you go to Two True Freaks and click on the Amazon.com banner to go to Amazon.com, and make a purchase there, a little bit of the price that you pay into the item that you're going to get gets shunted back to the Two True Freaks website. You don't pay any extra, but Amazon rewards us for advertising with them by giving us a little stipend. So anytime you're thinking about buying music, games, entertainment of any sort, make sure you use the link at twotruefreaks.com.